Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Tuesday afternoon, Chris Landry is going to be our only guest. We're uh, doing our score prediction contest today and giving you a chance to participate and give me your thoughts on the Iron Bowl, the 86th meeting between the Tigers and the Tide. And we'll go back to those predictions coming up at 3.30. We will take all those predictions. If you want to hold your spot, uh, Greg in Athens, J. Rob in Montgomery, Scotty in Chattanooga, Keith in Carolina, and Cole in Tuscaloosa. And not in that order, but uh, if you guys just want to hang loose there just for a couple of minutes, uh, we're going to talk with Chris Landry. And Chris, uh, first off, we welcome you in. I appreciate you doing uh, one day early. Uh, hope all is well, my friend. It's well. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and all the listeners. Good to be with you. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we're going to take the Wednesday and Thursday off and then uh, return on Friday. There's no way that you can take a Friday off before the Iron Bowl. It's a pretty important game in the state. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just it's um, I, it might be one of my favorite weeks, uh, if not the favorite week of the year for me. But it is so hectic because kind of as you're alluding to and while we're doing this show today, it's it's like Thursday is kind of like Saturday, but then Friday is kind of like Saturday, and then Saturday's like Saturday, and then, you know it's just, so it's it really is everything's compressed and it's just a hectic time, but a fun time, and um, yeah, it's uh, the Iron Bowl. Uh, it's always special. Been to a number of them. I know all of your listeners have. It's um, it's it's fun, and I'm very curious to see how this uh, plays out. I'll have some really good games. Really excited about uh, Thanksgiving night. Um, the Egg Bowl ought to be a lot of fun, too. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, excited. I don't know that the Iron Bowl will live up to to the expectations in terms of an exciting matchup, but we'll see. You know, if my honeydew list was not as long as it currently is, um, I might even slip over to that Ole Miss-Mississippi State game because that, that would be a – It'd be a fun venue to go watch uh, on a Thanksgiving evening. And, uh, you know, I it's an hour and 15, 20 minutes to Stark, uh, Starkville. Um, I enjoy going over to those games. 
How about how about Lane Kiffin? Did you hear his comment? I did. I did. What'd you think? <laughs> like, I don't know. Sometimes it can be taken out of context, but I don't know. Call out your fan base. It's not not necessarily. Um, well, he, his days may be numbered if you, there. If you told your listeners, if you told your listeners what he said, or I, have, I don't know. Well, we, just, no, just we, a, we, we've actually had so many different things. But feel free okay. to jump. No, in. he just, just somebody asked him about you know what he thought. How is um, would his fan base travel to the Egg Bowl and Starkfish? Says I don't know. He said they didn't travel too well last week at home. <laughs> It's like, okay. Pop. Well, we know, we know, yeah, I mean, we know what kind of game it was, too. But I mean, like, there was nothing there. There's no filter there. But I just thought it was kind of entertaining. But he's got a lot of things on his mind. He's, you know, he's, he's right now, he's not, uh, he wanted to get into the, the LSU job and that hadn't worked out very well. And it looks like the Florida situation's not working out well for him. So I guess he's, uh, he's just nose to the grindstone to figure it out. All right, so a couple of different things, and I, I definitely want to talk to you about some of these vacancies, but let's go back. Um, when you look back at the University of Alabama and going up against Arkansas, uh, Vegas thought it was about a three-touchdown game. It ended up being a seven-point game. Uh, your biggest reaction to Alabama's win over Arkansas? Well, you know, it's it's tough for Alabama to close games out and to separate themselves like they normally do in these type of games. So I think if you look at it, and I'm sure it's what Vegas does, they looks at it, look at it based on history and what they normally do. It's close for a while, and they separate, and that's that. And, you know, give credit to Arkansas. They fight, they play hard, they play well. A lot of teams have. But the difference with this Alabama team is twofold, but it, but it stems from a couple of real differences, comparatively speaking, to what they normally are offensively, even if they explode and make some explosive plays, they they don't have the ability to close games out or shorten the game uh, as, as they normally do. The four-minute offense, which they've always been so good, you know, you get that lead. They're up two, to, up two scores. They're up 17 points. It's the middle of the third quarter, and what happens? They start running the football, and they pound you, and they break one, and they break another. And you see the opposing defense just getting – you know, they're not waving the white flag, but they're, their heads are down thinking, oh, God, here we go again. You don't see that with this team. This team is not controlling the line of scrimmage. They're not running the football nearly as well. And when you can't do that, you can't close out games because what do you have to do? Well, we have to throw it some more and more and get more points. Well, the problem with that is that the passing game is great and it's great to get explosive plays and points out of it. But when you drop a ball or there's an incompletion, you stop the clock and you, you give the opposing team more of a chance to come back. So even in games that look like it was maybe a more decisive than a seven point game, it ends up being a seven point game. And that's just what it, and defensively that hurts the defense. The defense is, fundamentally not playing nearly as well. They give up too many plays on the back end. They don't have great pass rush except for one guy consistently that's beating his guy. And if not for him, the productivity that's floating around a little bit from time to time at others probably wouldn't even be as good. And so they can't get off the field quite as well. And so you combine those two things, well, you put that defense back on the field more and you can't keep them off the field, keep them rested, 
keep them mentally adjusted because you can't run the football quite as well. So this team just looked very faulty. And quite frankly, when when I look at one thing about studying tape and, and when you're not in a like in a, when you're in a position I am in, you're not pulling for anybody. You, you, you want everybody to do well, but you really you don't pull for teams. If you pull off the helmet and you just look at this Alabama team, you think, man, you know, they they find a way to win games and they don't do this very well. They don't do that very well, but they find a way to win games. But that's not what we normally associate with Alabama, right? We associate it with dominance, eliteness, and yet we're we're still talking about them as one of the best teams in the country. But it hard it's 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 by comparison they don't look like the Alabama that we we normally talk about over the past several years that I've joined you here. Well, and maybe that's what's so hard to kind of get accustomed to is they're like a roller coaster. You don't ever know what you're 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 going to be able to to um, to predict. I mean, sometimes they'll come out, they play like they did against the Ole Miss first half, and then sometimes they come out, they, you know, they just kind of like slow, like don't arrive to the start of the second quarter. We knew, I mean, this is a slow starting team. And, uh, you know, it just, hey, it's, I guess it is what it is when you're going into your final regular season game, right? I mean, this is who they are. Yeah, you know, they're, and we're not talking about lining up in week four this week. It is Thanksgiving. It is the Iron Bowl. If this were going to change, it would have happened by now. So, I mean, at, at this point is, look, they have put themselves in position. And they've got the Iron Bowl this weekend to take care of business and, and not fool around in, in Auburn struggling. But still, you know, um, take care of business. They get their shot. And then they'll be able to play the underdog role and – Georgia looks unbeatable and he can maybe sell that. And I think what he's trying to do behind the scenes is because this team lacks some leadership in my opinion, and I think they lack confidence. At least that's kind of the feeling I get from, you know, the staff is that they are trying their best to build them up because they're not doing things all that well. And when I can tell you from a coaching standpoint, when they're given effort, but they're, they're, they're not comfortable and they're a little bit concerned about making mistakes. The last thing you do is you yell at somebody, you scream at somebody like that. You yell and scream when they're getting complacent and they don't give a darn and they think they're better than they are. I think this team is not feeling the confidence and I think they're trying to instill it. So it's going to take quite the game plan unbelievable execution and it's probably going to take and I don't mean to jump ahead to the Georgia talk but but that's the big picture of where Alabama is it's going to take a great effort and Georgia just may be getting tight in the moment and maybe that's the best chance to you know to pull off of of a of a game like this I I still say that we'll see tonight I'm guessing I don't know if you what you think about it I I'm guessing the committee is going to move Alabama to three and Ohio State to two based upon their blowout win. I don't know, but I'm, I'm curious to see if Alabama stays at two, for example, tonight, what does it really mean? Well, it means that they still hold the Alabama brand in such high esteem that if they're two after tonight and if they take care of business against Auburn and if they play Georgia close, there's enough potential for chaos to where – I wouldn't rule out a two-loss Alabama still being in the conversation 
if it's close. That's a big if. That's that that may be even too much task at this point for this team. And if it's not close, then they won't deserve to get in, and they won't. But I just think there's still a lot to play for. So I don't think it's a lack of motivation, Ryan. I just I think this team just lacks things that they've had before. And when the standard is, you know, you got to be the best team in the country. Uh, they just, you know, no one, no one looks like Georgia at this point. All right. And I go back to what you have said. And I, sometimes you say things that sticks in my head, but I ask you back way back when, when Michigan and Michigan state were undefeated and I said, pretenders are contenders. And you pretty much gave me a really good, uh, analysis of why you didn't think Michigan state had staying power and why the Michigan Wolverines did not have staying power. Uh, when you look at that, you think that committee really analyzes uh, Michigan State to the extent that you do and understands that, okay, Ohio State had an impressive win. It was good. But it's not like they've really blown out a team that, as you've described, talked about, uh, you know, uh, and you respected Michigan State, but just look at them going, okay, this is not really the team that everybody thinks they are. I don't know what this committee does. I don't know. I really don't. I mean, I – you know, a lot of what they do is they – it comes out one way when looking at this. Look, I, I I know what they were probably thinking because I, I will say that Michigan uh, is better, in my opinion, overall than Michigan State. But they didn't win, and I think that, that does matter. So I, I don't agree how they had it ranked, but – I think you're going to see Michigan's better defensively than Michigan State. So I think that maybe by comparison, they might play Ohio State a little bit better. I still don't think they're good enough to do it. I, I to, to the point of um, they still had Michigan State ranked pretty high, top 10. So that is going to be perceived as a big-time win by Ohio State. Um, and certainly if they – if if they're able to beat Michigan this week, and I think they will, that'll be perceived as a big win and maybe less so the Big Ten championship game, but it'll be considered a pretty good win. So, and then, you know, I think that's probably going to be enough to put them at two. Uh, if, again, unless Alabama, Alabama beats Georgia, then no, I mean, it's, it's, that would be real interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll deal with that when it comes, but yeah, I, I, my sense is is that Ohio State's going to be two tonight. That's probably what the committee's going to do. But I I don't know what I don't know. How would you have it? I mean, question. I mean, if if we put Chris Landry on, uh, well, I mean, I, I would say this. I would say right now, there's no doubt that Ohio State looks better than Alabama. I, I, you know, I sure Alabama's just not playing very good. I mean, Ohio State is just lighting it up on offense. They've got a quarterback. That's great. Alabama has a quarterback. That's great. Alabama's got a great receiver and in, in, in a couple of really good ones. Ohio State's got three great ones. Alabama's offensive line on the right side struggling. Ohio State's offensive line has not played consistently well, but they have the most talent on that offensive line of anybody in the country. They are just elite offensively. And I think they can score against really good defenses and, and probably the matchup that'd be most intriguing to see is their offense against Georgia's defense. Um, 
but they they just look better, have looked better than Alabama has. Um, you know, if they played, do I think Alabama could absolutely compete and win? I do, but I'd probably, if they played right now, if that was a game this weekend, you said, hey, who do you like this weekend, Ohio State or Alabama in that game? I, I think this Ohio State team with this Alabama team, they just look a little better on tape. All right, I want to go back and ask you about something that Nick Saban said following the game on Saturday night. Um, he said, when you look at our team, you know, making a lot of mistakes, and he's admitting that this team is making a lot of mistakes, but he uses the word fixable. And he not just used it once, he used it multiple times throughout the press conference when questions would come up. And he points out, and I think, as you said, it's something that you gave me thought on as about trying to build confidence, and I'm sure he's trying to do that. But as you look at Alabama's mistakes – are they fixable, Chris? Well, the communication things that he talks about would be the most frustrating. Because that is beyond fixable. It is fixable. It's like fixable to the point of, why the heck haven't they fixed it? I mean, that that that, that to this point, that's a problem. So, yeah, it's fixable. But, you know, come on. That, that, that you know, now I think – some of the things that they're doing. And again, look at last week when they had to run the football and they had some skills. What did they do? They went heavy jumbo. They went, they put an extra tackle in the game. I mean, they, so I think the things they can fix are personnel groupings. Um, I think schematically doing more on defense is not the answer because I think what the answer is doing less correctly uh, and getting the communication from the sideline in, which is, again, is kind of blows my mind that, that they're, they're still having that problem at this point. Because um, to me, that in my career, that's always fairly easy to fix. I, so I'm not quite sure why. I'd, so, yeah, I think that's fixable. What's, what's not fixable, and, you know, I would think that if they had better answers – on the right side of the offensive line, we'd have seen them on the field. I don't think they're just sitting there holding it back for, you know, Georgia. I mean, if they are, that's, that's not ideal. I, I don't see that, you know? So I, yeah, I think some things are fixable, the communication, but what's not fixable is the personnel issues. Um, you know, I think those things are, they're going to have to cover that up as best they can. That's Chris Landry. This is LandryFootball.com. Chris, let's stop right here. We'll take a break. We'll come back, and we'll hit some other teams, and we'll talk about some other college football. Uh, LandryFootball.com. I always like to say that if you love football, you're going to love LandryFootball.com. And there's a lot of great material there, and and we talk about coaching searches so often, uh, and Chris kind of provides some insight. He's been in the business, understands it's part of the fraternity of um, coaches and a lot of exchange of information. Uh, Chris, take a couple of minutes here and tell me more about LandryFootball.com. Well, we take folks inside the game of football, the college game, uh, the pro game, um, recruiting, the draft, free agency. But this time of year, obviously, we focus on the in-game action. What happened in the game this past week inside the film room? What's going to happen this week? Or how do we think it plays out? Uh, we got that covered for you in college and the NFL. The notebooks every day that get you up to date on what's going on, practices, depth art changes, recruiting, and, of course, as you mentioned, coaching searches, which, my goodness, I mean, the carousel's not big enough. They're almost 
broken that thing at this point. They got more openings and we're not even sitting down to turkey dinner on Thursday yet. And we're going to have a domino effect of many others. So we keep you up to date on all of that. That's going to take place in the, well, days, weeks to come. LandryFootball.com. Take advantage of the football season sale we got going on. You know, and if you went to my uh, dresser and you opened one of my drawers, um, I've got so many socks. And I just bet that any dad out there has got a lot of socks. And we appreciate socks. But as we approach the Christmas time and you're looking for that unique gift for that football fan in your life, uh, it'd be a great uh, way to, to gift that person. You could do that also at LandryFootball.com. Socks are useful, and we all appreciate socks. But if you got a lot of them, uh, how about a subscription to LandryFootball.com? Football views from a coach, a scout, and administrator. And you can gift one of those subscriptions right there to that football fan in your life, LandryFootball.com. We're going to come back. We're going to continue with more coming up in just a couple of minutes right here. Chris Landry, Ryan Fowler on the Alabama Scouting Report. We can also connect with Chris Landry at Landry Football on the Twitter side of things, social networks. Uh, like I said, I, uh, please do consider a subscription there. Uh, Chris is a big part of our program, and we're certainly thankful that uh, he gives us an analysis that we just don't get. Uh, and, and we appreciate uh, him offering that from his perspective and uh, his close relationship uh, and deep ties back to Many great coaches, including the great one that's in Tuscaloosa. And uh, we appreciate the insight that he's able to provide to us. Uh, Chris, I also want to talk about the coaching fraternity side of things and uh, just kind of get your reaction to Dan Mullen and what happened there in uh, the University of Florida. Man, it happened so fast, didn't it? I mean, yet we could kind of see it coming along, but it yet happened fast. Um, you know, last I'm I'm just going back to a year ago last year at this time. Could you see this coming? And I, you know, I couldn't. Uh, I know that the recruiting was not at an elite level, but I think it began to suffer a little more. There was expectations this year for them to at least be good, maybe not as good as Georgia, but maybe neck and neck with them or slightly below, and have one of those ten and two, eleven and one type of seasons. It was clear early on that wasn't going to happen. And then, you know, um, the, the the play on the field is one thing. You can fix a bad season if you're confident that the guy's in a position to fix it. And I, I think what clearly has happened over the past several weeks is the meetings that Scott Strickland's had with them of, of what's your plan to fix it, how are you going to fix it. I, I don't think they had much comfort that he was going to be able to fix it. And maybe it was Dan's way of presenting his ideas to fix it. And maybe him not seeing it the same way, or, you know, I just think that the team did not respond to him and it got worse and it got worse. And, you know, the LSU loss was bad. The Kentucky loss was bad, but, you know, but they were a good team and LSU loss was bad. Then, you know, it's South Carolina, then it's Missouri and it's, well, the Sanford game in between, it's just clear that the message wasn't being received, that Dan wasn't really engaged, and 
it's just one of those professional marriages that went really south really fast. And um, again, I don't think they anybody there expected that this is the way it was going to play out. But it just goes to show you, isn't it? I mean, there's um, almost almost with maybe just a few exceptions, really not anybody's truly safe anymore. Well, Chris, I, w- I was going to ask you, um, if you're a head coach and you're looking at the University of Florida, um, how great of a job is that? And and when you look at the coaches that have went there and they've not had success, uh, and we're talking about, I don't know if it's a support thing, if it's something that's going on behind the scenes, but – when you try to evaluate that, I mean, does that come into play that you go, okay, well, then we're looking at this job, this job, this job, and, um, you know, you see some guys, it's multiple guys that are striking out in Gainesville. You know, you really look at the history of that program, and um, a lot of you older listeners may remember this, but some of the younger ones may not, that Florida never never won. I mean, it, it was wasn't into Charlie Pell. One of Bear Bryant's guys that went to – well, he left Clemson to go to Florida. And he built the infrastructure just like he did at Clemson with the Ipte Club. I pay 30 a year as in thousands uh, dollars. And then he went to Florida and, and formed the Bull Gators. That's when it started to become our – we're going to put money in and build it. And then, of course, <clears throat> he got in trouble with the NCAA and Galen Hall was the interim. And then, of course, that's when one one of my bosses – that I coached under Bill Orangeberger left LSU to go to be the athletic director at Florida. And he hired Spurrier, which was kind of an easy, you know, pick for a guy that had success in the USFL, had success at Duke, was coming home. Steve recruited well. He was dynamic with the passing game. But when you look at it, Steve was great. And Urban Meyer, when he got the job, he went into South Florida and he took South Florida away from Miami, recruiting-wise. But other than that, it's been, you, you're right, underachieving guys. Now, now, why is it? Well, those two guys were dynamic. I do think all three Florida schools, Florida, Florida State, and Miami, got a little lazy with their facilities, meaning while everyone was building great facilities, they were behind. Now, Florida's got one that they're building that they're going to open up, Ryan, this spring. That's great. But think about that. Is that far behind, really? That's been a factor. Now, well, Muschamp really recruited well on the defensive side. They didn't coach all that well. They underachieved there. It's maybe a little bit tougher, but I, I just get the sense that the right guy, there's so much talent. If you you have to recruit well, you can't – go in and not work hard at recruiting. Dan's biggest problem was they didn't work as hard on it. Those guys in that staff told me, you know, how often they met on recruiting and how they did it. It's nothing like what you've seen being done at Alabama or Georgia or other places that had Ohio state. Well, why not? You're Florida. There's no reason why they can't be real successful. Yeah. They fallen behind facility wise, but they can overcome that because of where they are. Yeah, they've got to compete, but I think they've lost a lot. I think all three of those programs have lost a lot. I mean, Miami's never gotten back South Florida. Now, now Florida doesn't dominate South Florida, but Alabama goes in, Ohio State goes in, Miami doesn't go, 
they can't keep the best players in South Florida, you know, um, there like they used to. So, and Florida State let it slip. They let Clemson get so far ahead that they're always just, you know, like a dog chasing its tail. So, I think that's what I see culturally and organizationally, administratively, that they've they've done wrong. And I think, though, it's still a really good job. But, you know, it is, you know, the, the search for that elite guy. Who's the can't-miss elite guy? Well, I, you're going to be hiring somebody right now that doesn't fit that mold. You're going to be hiring somebody that's got some pedigree, that's good, maybe taking a step up from maybe a G5 level or somebody that's good at the P5 level that you think might translate, but is it a culture fit? Or is it a Jim McElwain, Dan Mullen type of fit? You know, where, you know, neither one of those guys were good enough as recruiters. So I don't think it's a, it's a great job, but they haven't done the best job of hiring guys and they've hit on a couple, the two that I mentioned, and the others have been misses. And so you wonder if they're going to get it right this time. I, I certainly thought they got it right this time with Dan Mullen. Think about this. They wanted Chip Kelly, then Scott Frost, then Dan Mullen. I mean, it, it, you know, you, you wonder, are they going to get it right? Who's the right guy? Who's there? I mean, it's really good questions that Scott, Scott Strickland's going to have to get right or else they might be doing this again in the near future. Cause, just... cause, because Georgia's not – they are they are getting lapped by Georgia now. I mean, they, they're, they're, they're close to looking like Michigan is looking up to Ohio State. Florida is. And there's a Florida fan out there listening to us saying that. They just wrecked the car off the road. I mean, they're like, yeah, you can't, don't tell me that. I'm sorry to tell you that. That's the way it's looking. And, you know, they got in Kirby, they got their guy and recruits that I, if you can't recruit to his level, you're not going to be able to up coach it enough to overcome it. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it just, no. that's, that's where I think they are. And they, you know, they can turn it around. But if they make a bad hire, it's just going to be more like, you know, what Ohio State does in boat race in Michigan every year. You know, I can only imagine, you know, we're getting ready to celebrate uh, Thanksgiving. Could you imagine the athletic directors right now? Because if you've got a quality coach that you believe in and knowing that, you know, this agent out here that uh, is pretty popular, uh, he's going to be demanding <laughs> money. I mean, could you imagine – uh, the anxiety, uh, if you're an athletic director and you, you're pretty good with your coach, you feel okay, uh, you better lock him down because there's a lot of programs looking for another good one. Well, look at look at Mel Tucker, a guy we all know quite a bit about. So um, this is how this works in a nutshell. 10% of the agents represent 90% of the coaches in, in the coaching world. So you got Mel Tucker. That was someone of interest in the LSU search. He was never someone that Scott Woodard was really interested in hiring, but he was the president there. Uh, new president at LSU was interested. And, and so he kind of made the list. So think about it, stock market, right? So Mel stock is going up, up, up. And oh, by the way, Michigan state's having a good year. So I mentioned, yeah, I didn't think they were a great team, but good year, good team. So as, as the stock is rising, they make an offer November 1st, and Jimmy Sexton slow plays it. 
which is the term of, you know, like he does. Yeah, you know, it's good. You know, we'll get you. Slow plays. And so LSU is not getting ready to hire anybody November 1st. So they're letting it marinate. Hey, we've got a couple more wins. So the stock's going up. Get Nancy. A couple of boosters come up. We don't want to lose this guy. So what happens about a week ago? Well, they realize uh, Jimmy knows. Jimmy knows that Mel, he may not know exactly who LSU is going to hire, but he knows it's not going to be Mel. So what do you do? It's time to sell, right? Sure. You know that it's about to pick. Let's sell it. So you get the deal. Do you know that by the slow play, by my calculation of my information, I believe that Jimmy got Mel Tucker about $1.85 to $2 million more per year from November 1st to last week just by slow playing it, just by letting them the fear of just what you said, we might lose our guy. And what do we do then? And yet Mel might be a really good coach at Michigan State, but we don't really know. You know, he hadn't done it for four, five, six years. Let's see. That's kind of where we are. You don't get paid for what you your record is. You pay for the leverage that you have over your school or the leverage that you lack. And if LSU goes and announces their coach in a week or 10 days and, you know, they didn't have this deal on the table for Michigan State, well, then the leverage leaves you, right? Well, if you can't – look at James Franklin. He's tried to put out for every job he's been, but it's he's been kind of covered up. He's not a, a real candidate at USC or LSU from what I understand. So, I mean, he, he's probably going to get a new deal at Penn State – he just Jimmy did. Sexton's he just did. Work. As we're sitting yeah. here talking. Okay, just deal. did. Yeah. But it's not as much as if he could play it. But, you know, again, he's able to play it, and Jimmy does that well because Jimmy knows who's which one of his guys are really in contention for this job and which one is not. You know, I kind of find it fascinating, all these different coaching moves. And, uh, you know, it's how Jimmy Sexton works and many other great agents. Uh, hey, you, you, you I, think, I want one on my team. Yeah, you think you think he's going to have a conversation with the folks in Athens if they win the national championship with Kirby? Oh, and and yeah. Kirby is not a, a real threat to leave, but neither was Ed Orgeron. I mean, Ed, if, if you said we're going to give you a few more bucks in a, in a bowl of gumbo, he'd have been happy. You know, he's right. not leaving anywhere, but – he got big, big money, and now he's walking away with $17 million. And And I'm not saying Kirby's going to suffer the same fate. He's not. But the point is, is they'll be able to go uh, – they'll be they'll be able to go to the, the counter and say, here's another big plate. We'll load it up with, with more and more cash for you. And Kerry listening to us out in Oregon has just responded to what you and I are talking about. And, and he said, as you speak, he's the one that uh, hit me with that, as well as Jacob did across the glass with that 10-year – contract with James Franklin remain through oh. the Nittany Lions with 2031 10 year deal. Uh hey, like you said, you got to pay those guys and uh Chris, uh, we'll end it right there and we'll get ready for this Iron Bowl. Uh any other parting words, anything? Well, I'm curious to see how uh the team comes out health-wise, uh what they do in the Iron Bowl. We'll be all watching it and we'll talk about it next week and then We'll begin to figure out uh, exactly the game plan and the attitude and the mindset and the thought process of what the head uh, head coach says as they get ready for, you know, the the SEC championship game with um, what I think is going to be a lot at stake, obviously. And 
it's going to be interesting to be talking about Alabama in an underdog role and what can they do to win? Because I think that's what the conversations we're going to have to have next week, don't you? And I don't, I don't know the last time we've had that where, okay, because normally it's, well, if Alabama handles their business, you know, they'll be fine. This is going to be a unique situation. So that's what I'm looking forward to is what's going to, going to leap ahead, but it's going to be a fun week and hey, uh, we'll know Chris, a lot almost, more. I'm going to slip in one question. Uh, the Bednarik, yeah. the Chuck Bednarik award finalist was just a names. Uh, and I, I want you to tell me if, if, and you may have a vote, uh, Will Anderson, Jordan Davis, Kyle Hamilton, and Thibodeau out in Oregon. Who would you vote for? Top well, Thibodeau, Thibodeau hadn't played enough games. I would have Jordan Davis, to, Will Anderson. I mean, would, would it be that? Yes. Yes. It would be those two. I'd, Man, that would be tough, man. <laughs> hey, that, that's a debate that we'll have next week. <laughs> well, that is really tough because you're talking about two guys that have just – it's between those two. Those guys have been phenomenal. And Both that, of them have been been great. Um, Wills maybe had to carry a little bit more because he's, he's – Jordan's got some other players that are playing really well alongside of him. Will maybe I, – I, I tweeted out, Will, Bryce Young um, – and a transfer receiver that's outstanding. Those three guys have have just stood out and kind of carried this Alabama team this year, kind of on its back. Other guys have played well, but those guys have really been elite. Well, and just keep those transfer portals in there because that will pay off as Nick Saban tries to sell other players in the transfer portal. He'll be Absolutely. able to sell that. Hey, don't think you cannot come to Tuscaloosa and make an instant impact. Uh, Amen. That'll be a recruiting tool that he will use. Uh, Chris Landry, happy Thanksgiving, my friend. I hope you have a great uh, day. And you got a favorite food? You got a favorite food? Uh, you know, I'm just real simple. I do the uh, the turkey, the little dressing. Uh, I do a little um, cornbread dressing. I like that. Do a little rice dressing, which is Ooh. I've learned over the years that's a little more Louisiana ish. Do that. Some green beans. Just simple. Just. Football and food, uh, a little too much of. I got to watch. I eat, eat too much, and I doze off when watching your Cowboys or one of the other games on TV. Can't do that. So, <laughs> Hey, and my Cowboys got to get back on the winning track. I mean, Kansas right. City uh, kind of stopped they us. Did. You know, and speaking of – man, I got so many questions. We, we got to get out of here because I was about to ask you about Jason Garrett. I mean, he may be headed on the fast track to Tuscaloosa uh, Fre with his Fre Freddie Freddie Kitchens is going to call the plays now for the Giants for the rest of the way. So, yeah. We'll throw that in. Every, every time a coach gets fired, I'm like, can Nick Saban take another analyst? I mean, because he, you know, definitely has ties. To well, he's, Garrett, so. he certainly, certainly weighed uh, Jason coach for him in Miami. He never got that out. Right. You never know. You never know. You never know all the little coaching <laughs> uh, trails. Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. Chris, have a great rest of your week. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to you, all the staff there, and everybody in the listening audience. Have a great one, folks. Thank you. Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com on the Alabama Scouting Report. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.